Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 212 called Lauren. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who have experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus, guys, Infertile AF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX, use code InfertileAF23, and you'll get $75 off. Thanks, Receptiva DX. Okay, guys, today's episode is with this very sweet woman that I met through email. She emailed me. Her name is Lauren Kelly. She's a singer-songwriter, and she wrote this really incredible song about her infertility journey. She is still in the midst of all of it, but she sent me her story and her song, which is called New Life, which we play at the end of this episode, actually, so stay tuned for that. And she's going to tell us everything that she's been going through. And like I said, she's still in the thick of it all. So I'm going to let her do the talking. Without further ado, this is Lauren's infertility story. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi. I am okay. <laughs> okay. Let's get into it. You have such a good podcast voice, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. Because you're a performer, right? Um, which am. we will talk about. So you sent me this song that you wrote that I put in our Fertility Rally Facebook group and everyone loved it. So you reached out to me because you wanted to share your story. So let's just start at the very beginning. And did you always want to have kids? Honestly, no. Okay. <laughs> I grew growing up, I just wanted to be a singer. And that was really all I ever focused on. Mm-hmm. Where'd I you just, grow up? I grew up in uh, Midland, Michigan, mm-hmm. so on the east side. Okay. Um, I'm from Chicago. So I feel like, you know, oh, Midwest, yeah. same diff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I have a lot of family in Chicago. Nice. But yeah, I just, I was focused on singing. I didn't really think too much about getting married and having kids and things like I would think about it for sure. I think that's just natural when you're growing up. But Mm -hmm. to me, I was like, well, I really want to be a singer. Like I want to tour. And I just didn't think I could have both. Mm -hmm. For me, it was one or the other. Like I'm going to be a singer or I can be a mom. I can't have both. Interesting. Why did you think that? I, I just felt like I wouldn't have the... I wouldn't be able to give attention to children if I was so focused on a music career. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much like my 20s is I just focused on music and getting that career going. I couldn't even, the thought of even having kids, I just, I mean, I just didn't think about it. There's no way I could handle it. But I just didn't think that if I had kids and I was doing music, it would be fair. I just didn't feel like it would be fair for me to be like, touring and singing and having children. I didn't think it'd be fair to them. Mm -hmm. How busy I think I thought that I would be. 
flashing forward, when did you start to try and decide that you in fact did want to have kids? Um, so I actually like, as I got older into my teens, it kind of started coming up. Like my husband and I are high school sweethearts. We started dating at 15 and Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly when we started talking about it. I can't imagine it being too serious of a a conversation in our teens, but I know that we did talk about it. We talked so much about like what our kids would look like. And I think it was all kind of like hypothetical, Mm -hmm. Um, but like not, not really too serious of conversation, but something we talk about, but we weren't really ever seriously thinking about it. It just wasn't on my mind. And I spent my whole twenties just doing music and not thinking about kids at all. But we kind of thought, you know, when we're 28, we'll start trying to have kids. If we decide that we want to, Mm -hmm. we just weren't really sure for a long time. I was terrified of getting Mm -hmm. pregnant in my younger twenties because we were, I mean, we were, we were musicians. Like we didn't have stability. It -hmm. was like, we better get a gig or we're not gonna be able to pay rent kind of stuff for such a long time. Like, did you guys play together? Yeah. So we, we started playing music together in high school and started playing like in bars. I I think it was literally a week after we graduated high school, Mm -hmm. We, we were playing in a bar and it was, yeah, we, basically been doing it ever since. So that was like 16 years ago. Okay. All right. So Um, then when you actually were like, all right, let's do this, what happened? Yeah. So we were actually living in Los Angeles at the time. We moved out there for a brief time and it was kind of like, we were starting to think about it. We were 28 and that was when we decided that we wanted to start trying to have kids. We were getting close to 29. So I, I had an IUD for a long time and took that out and wanted to give myself about three months to start trying to get my body back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my doctor telling me like, oh, you could get pregnant tonight. And I was like, so freaked out. <laughs> like, okay, right. I'm not, I'm not, tonight, I'm not really ready. Like we were making plans to move back home to Michigan because we knew that if we were going to have kids, we wanted to be around family and be able to buy a house, which we didn't, we knew we wouldn't be able to do in Los Angeles. Um, so I was kind of freaked out about it, but yeah. Um, okay. I feel like that a, doctor, like it shouldn't have said, like, make it seem so easy. <laughs> Right. I, know, I think that I know. that's so much of the problem for so many of us was that we grew up thinking it was so easy to get pregnant. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I always kind of suspected that I would have trouble and I don't, I don't really know why I just had a feeling and mm. my, obviously my body was telling me something because I would ask doctors my whole twenties, anytime I'd go in and be like, I have a feeling that I'm gonna have trouble getting pregnant and they'd be like, no, your periods are normal. You're healthy. You're young. It's going to be fine. Okay. So I have kind of this like long distrust of things like that, which I'll get into. Mm, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're, you are taught like you're going to get pregnant. Like I remember a, a doctor telling me once, like, if you're not on birth control, you're going to get pregnant. And I right. Like, uh, I don't know. I didn't think so. <laughs> God, all this misinformation being strewn about. All right, but spoiler alert, you did not get pregnant that night. (laughs) And no, no. And I, we weren't really trying. It was kind of like, don't prevent, don't try kind of Mm -hmm. a thing. We we gave it the three months. So it was like April, 2018 was when we actually started trying. And I remember it was just, it was so exciting. Like it kind of felt like I had this purpose again. 
um, because like music wasn't really panning out how we were hoping to. So I felt kind of lost. I was like, okay, I kind of have like a purpose again. Mm -hmm. And I was just like obsessing over everything, like how to get pregnant. And then what are the signs and symptoms? And then I like panicked, like, oh my God, if I'm pregnant, I can't do this. And like my 30th birthday is coming up. I won't Mm -hmm. be able to party if I'm pregnant. Right. (laughs) Totally. Yep. So, but anyway, um, it didn't happen that first month and it was disappointing, but you know, we're like first month, you know, it's, it's just not likely, but like we had a plan to tell people. Um, so we had like my mother-in-law visiting that day, I think that we tested and it was like, Oh, it'd be so cool if we could tell her today, but like, all right, well, I can go out and have a drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, yeah, we kept trying for about six months and nothing was happening. Um, and I really gave into the like, Oh, you're too stressed kind of idea that you hear a lot. Like, you mm-hmm. gotta just not stress about it. Cause we moved across the country again and I had to find a new job, just a lot of big changes. And then after about six months, I started thinking like, okay, something's going on. But I was just like, I'm going to have a month where I just don't think about it. I don't track anything. Because like I had been, I, every month I would try new things. I got to the point where like, I'm so tired of peeing on things. <laughs> I feel like I need a break. <laughs> like I'm tired of peeing on things. I love that. <laughs> yes. Totally. It's very it's like relatable. A, yeah. Like I got to the point where like, if I was going and I wasn't testing, I was like, wait, should I have peed on something? Like it was just so in my head. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop for a month, not worry about it and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And obviously that didn't do anything. Okay. So uh, it was about a year after I was off birth control that I, I finally called my doctor to set up an appointment. And I, I think I kind of put it off because I was scared to find out there was a problem. Like as much as I always thought that there would be, it's like, I kind of didn't believe that there would be, it was just in my head. And I'd always been told like, you're healthy. There's no reason to think anything's wrong. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, so I finally went in and I remember talking with her and she was saying, you know, we'll, we'll do some tests, but you know, whatever the problem is, there's an answer. So that, okay, that's, that's good. Like it's going to happen. We just have to find out what's going on. Um, so we started testing, like my husband was good, which was great, but then I'm like, okay, well it's me. And that, that was kind of hard to, <laughs> that's like a whole grieving process in a way, just accepting, totally. like, okay, there's a problem. It's obviously me. Right. So there's no issues with his sperm or anything like that. Did they, what kind of tests did they give you and what did you, what were the results? So the first test that I did was the HSG, um, where they put the dye through your tubes. Mm-hmm. And I remember like reading about it beforehand and I was really nervous about it because I was reading that it could be really painful. And I just have always had an anxiety about any like um, gynecological tests and things. Like I was just really uncomfortable with like being on a table and having my legs wide open. Yeah. Boy, did I have to get comfortable with that. Right. (laughs) I was so tense during that test that like my whole body ached the next day. Mm. Interesting. But, yeah. Um, you were probably like clenching every muscle in your yes, body. I know. Yeah, I know I was, um, but it was incredibly painful for me, which I knew in my heart, like, okay, there's obviously a problem, but the dye wasn't spilling into my right tube. So I knew 
in the test that that was blocked. And I was like devastated. Like I, I left that appointment in tears and then I had to go into work, try not to cry all day. And I'm like, I was just devastated that like one of my tubes was blocked and I only mm-hmm. had the left side that was crushing for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know that like you're like the tube can pick up an egg from either side, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. So that helped, but I just, I remember being so crushed. And then the doctor called me later that day and said, you know, we know the right tube is blocked and the dye spilled into my left tube, but it's so damaged that it's like full of fluid. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like not functional. Mm-hmm. So I, I found out, and this was just about four years ago. Okay. Four years ago that, yeah. So I had a blocked tube and then a non-functional tube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was pretty crushed. Um, yeah. I was going to say, how did that feel to get that news? I, I, I kind of think about it now and then I'm like, knowing what I know now, it seems like almost nothing, but I know at the time it was just, you know, you, you think that like, you're going to do the test and it's going to turn out fine. Or like, I'd heard some people do that test and it kind of clears things out and then you get pregnant. Mm-hmm. But then I learned that it's basically impossible for me naturally, but we made a plan to open up the right tube because she thought there's like a, a polyp blocking it. Uh-huh. So I had, I had surgery um, to unblock it and it was actually my husband's 30th birthday. Oh, <laughs> so happy birthday. That's husband. How we celebrate. What a present. Yeah. <laughs> Take me in at five 30 in the morning. I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's great. Um, so we did that. And then I said, like, they, they wanted to do the HSG test again. And I said, no, cause it was so horrible for me. Like it's still traumatic. So let's, I just want to keep trying and maybe in like three or four months, if nothing happens, I'll come back mm-hmm. and nothing happened. So I messaged my doctor and I said, Hey, nothing's happening. Should I like talk to the fertility center about other options. And she replied, yes. And that that kind of like hurt me in a way too, that I felt like she kind of gave up on me. Mm. I had this, I think that's kind of been an overlying feeling for me through the process. It's like people are giving up on the possibility. And I'm like, I really need people to cheer me on because like, I can't give up on myself. Yes. That's such a good point. Like, having your OB basically being like, I can't help you. Yes. Is devastating. Totally. Um, Cause then where do, what you're like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you're the one who told me there was always an option. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so that, that was difficult for me and it took me quite a few months actually to, to contact a fertility doctor because I just, I couldn't accept I just I absolutely could not accept that it wouldn't happen for me mm-hmm. and that I would have issues that I had to do IVF. Yeah. Um, I think that's very common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I, I finally did go in and this was two years after we started trying. I finally went in, met with the doctor and I remember meeting with her and I went alone, which I don't recommend. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was dumb because I, I, I was so upset talking with her because she told me in this meeting, like your tube, your left tube is, has fluid in it. And if you're going to do IVF, you really want to take that tube out 
Mm. because it could affect implantation. And I didn't expect to hear that in this Mm -hmm. meeting. So I remember like, I couldn't even ask questions or say, I mean, I basically said nothing the whole time because I was holding back tears. Yeah. But it was, that was kind of the first time that I really realized like that you always hear stories of like, I did IVF and it didn't work. And then I got pregnant naturally. Yeah. Like I just stopped thinking about it and I got pregnant Mm -hmm. and I thought if I take my tube out, there's, that's not going to happen. There's no miracle scenario. Mm -hmm. I'm just. It's so final on that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just, I could not accept that. I still just so believed that somehow my body could do this. Mm-hmm. I think I left and I I didn't um, really follow through with anything because I was just so upset and I needed time. And then of course this is 2020. So COVID happening and everything. And we just put our plans to the side. It was like, I, I can't even think about IVF and pregnancy stuff right now. It's just too stressful. Mm-hmm. So it was about a year later that I reached out again and we went, kind of went through the whole process meeting with the doctor. And this time I brought my husband and I said, you need to come with me and ask these questions because I'm probably going to break down again. Right. Um, I just, I just could not handle it. I Um, fully agree with you. Yeah. I get the same way when I'm in like times like that, like my body just like kind of shuts down and I'm like, mm -hmm. I can't process things. Yes. Yeah. I have to have like everything written down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't remember. I just, I, I, I don't want to like burst into tears. Um, <laughs> I know not get my questions answered, but exactly. So we made our plan to do IVF and we had planned on doing it um, like many months later. So this was probably uh, January, uh, two years ago, uh, 2021. And we did we weren't planning on doing it till like November. So like I still do music and I I gig a lot Mm -hmm. and my schedule gets booked out. I mean, two years in advance in some cases. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had to plan our cycle around my gigging schedule, which is difficult. And it's, I don't like doing that. I feel like I'm putting that job before like my personal life. Right. It's such a hard balance, right, Lauren? It's like you want to work and, you know, you have to make money and all that stuff. And this is your passion too. But then it's like, well, what about the other things? Like we've always talked about how infertility and going through treatments and stuff, it's like a full-time job. Oh, it is. I I mean, I'm I'm so glad I don't have to go into an office or something every day Mm -hmm. because I I don't know how people would do it. I know. And so many people do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you... Anyone who does that, you're amazing. Seriously, you are amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, so let me ask you this. How are you and your husband doing like relationship wise? Because, you know, I've always been very open about it was very hard on my marriage. You know, there were times when we just were not on the same page at all. Sometimes we were, you know, yada, yada. But how was it for you? Uh, honestly, I, I mean, I feel like we've gotten stronger Good. through the process. I had this fear and I still do sometimes that like he'll be like, all right, this isn't going to happen. Let's stop. And I'm not ready. I want to keep going, but Mm -hmm. he's been super supportive and just really up for whatever I want to do. I mean, I think we're both, both kind of still have that, like we can imagine life without kids. 
Um, you can he, or you cannot? We can. Yeah. Um, and I think he can more than I can. But mm-hmm. I, I'm just like, I'm so far into it now and I've done so much to get here that mm-hmm. like it has to happen. It just mm-hmm. has to. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he's, no, he's been really, really supportive and I feel like it's definitely brought us closer. Good. Okay. So tell me what happened next with you guys. So when we had our consult for IVF again, um, I, I did bring up to her that I had this, so I, I I found this like six months prior, but my lower abdomen was like hard as a rock. Like it mm-hmm. felt like bone and it freaked me out so much. You know, I, any health things, you start thinking the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Just didn't feel normal. Um, and then I, I kind of like ignored it cause I was too freaked out. But then I had asked my friends and my sister, I'm like, what does your belly feel like? Is it like soft or is it hard? And mm-hmm. they're like, it's soft. I'm like, okay, I think something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I kind of didn't want to face it, but I brought it up on my console and I said like, you know, this is kind of freaking me out. And so she said, let's come in and do an ultrasound. So a couple of weeks later I went in for an ultrasound and that's when we found out I had like a grapefruit sized cyst on my right ovary. Mm-hmm. So I'd been carrying this around for a while and to come back to my like distrust of what like doctors tell me, mm-hmm. I had gone in a couple months before complaining. I was like, every time I sing, like I'm like moving around, my stomach starts to hurt and they're like, okay, you need to eat more fiber, like, mm. just eat more fiber. And I was like, I don't think that's the problem. Uh huh. But like, I didn't know how to be my own advocate yet. Right. I was getting there, but right. I still just had a hard time saying like, that's not the problem. I want to look into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left that really upset, but then I find out like, okay, I have this huge cyst in my, <laughs> in my body. So at that point we made a, I made a appointment to do surgery to remove it. And my doctor wanted me to take out my left tube at the same time which I was very upset about because I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's my right ovary, my left tube. I feel like that's going to really mess up my body and my chances. Um, so I was very opposed to the tube, but it was sort of like you have to kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then it was about, so I had my surgery scheduled, but about three weeks later, the cyst actually burst. And I didn't realize it, but I just got this like horrible pain that I've experienced, I don't know, 20 times in my life since I Mm -hmm. was like 15. And that's when it all kind of hit me like, okay, I've been having cysts burst for like years and no idea. I just always thought it's something I'm eating. I was stopping. I stopped eating like red peppers. Like every time I eat red pepper, I get the stomach pain. I just thought it was that. And then I realized like all this time everyone's been telling me I'm healthy and fine. And like, I've been dealing with cysts bursting. Oh my God. That was what a revelation. Yeah. Like, um, I can eat red pepper again. Yay. But (laughs) yeah, it was just like, so frustrating that like Mm -hmm. I've had, I, I could have known this so much sooner and like been medicated for it or I don't know, like something. Uh huh. And I just felt like it was too late. Um, so anyway, I had the surgery and, I'm only, I can only really go by what my husband was, had told me about it. But, um, well, I, I expressed to my surgeon beforehand, like, I really don't want to lose my right ovary because 
I'm losing my left tube. I don't want to like also lose the right ovary. Mm -hmm. And she was basically like, you know, I'm pro saving your ovary. I'm going to do the best I can do, but we'll have to see. And I, I just, I remember being rolled into the, the um, operating room, like mm-hmm. crying. And my surgeon was rubbing my hand because she I was just so upset. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm under, I don't like just not knowing what's going to happen when you come out of surgery is so scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just 100%. like, I didn't have a choice. Right. So from what I know is once they went in and looked at my ovary, it was basically like, I think she's the term tumor central. Oh, wow. Um, so she had to pull my husband aside and say like, we have to remove the ovary and that right tube. Do you still want to remove the left tube? And mm-hmm. so my husband had to make this choice for me. Oh my gosh. Which I can't imagine. Yes. <laughs> to do. But he knew how important it was for me to have like, a functioning side. So he opted to keep it. And then I, I went home and I told him, I don't want to know what happened. I want to like heal mm-hmm. a couple of days. And when I'm ready, then we'll talk about it. You can tell me what happened. And I think it was like three days later. And I, I had like pictures too. I had my surgeon cause I'm weird and I just want to see what my body looks like. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> Wait, they, the surgeon took pictures of like in your yes. innards. Yes, I have. Oh my them. god, I, I love that. I wish I had. Okay. Oh yeah, That's I had. Cool. I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like I'm a biology major too, so it was exciting okay. for me. But I kind of want to like artwork made out of them somehow. Yes, you definitely should. I don't know how to. I haven't decided yet how to do that, but I'm figure something out. Yes, but um, yeah, we um looked at the pictures and he told me everything, and I had actually like gotten a phone call. I think the day after they're like, Hey, your results came in and it's not cancerous. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's good. I didn't realize that they were honestly concerned about that when they mm. saw how everything looked. Um, so there was like a couple of days that I think for my husband, it was really scary. And yeah, I, I, I can't imagine like for him just to not be able to talk about it and like mm-hmm. have that in the back of your mind, but mm-hmm. I had to be ready to hear the, to hear that. And, um, so we had, yeah, we had a really long talk and I just, I was so devastated. I'm like, like, what do you do? <laughs> so I was left with, I had like one ovary and then a damaged tube. And then I think two weeks later I got a kidney stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and had surgery for that and was just in the most miserable pain for like a week. Cause I still had to pass it. And that was the kind of the point that I really broke down. And that's when I started sharing with people what I was going through. I didn't, I talked about it with a few people, mm-hmm. but I kept it pretty private because like when you start trying, you don't like announce that. Right. You, know, you keep, you think like, well, it's going to happen. Then I'll share it. I'll share the good news. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really like open and telling people about it, but I was just like in this position where I'm like, okay, pregnancy is looking really unlikely. I can't work on any music stuff. Like I'm stuck on the couch, just feeling horrible. And it, I felt like, you know, I had thought I could either have music or have kids and suddenly it was like, I can't have either. Mm. I'm stuck with like, like neither option. 
Yes. And I just didn't really know where, what to do with that. Right. Um, so I started sharing, I started sharing my story. Um, I, I just posted something on Facebook and I really wasn't looking for like pity or anything. I was just like so upset. I just needed to like let it out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I shared everything and I was so scared for so long to share it with people because I thought that the response would be like, well, but you have a really, like you have a good marriage and good life. Like, what are you complaining about? There's worse things people go through. Oh and God, I think that was... that's the worst. Speaking of worse things, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Like, shut I, up, I think people. that was me. <laughs> I think that was me projecting on like, I feel guilty that I have so many great things in my life, but there's just this one thing that is so hard mm-hmm. that we just can't have. And it seems like it's, it's a big easy. thing. Yeah. And it, you know it what? It's just my, yeah. I, I understand that. And, you know, I think as women, we do ourselves a disservice and there's all this guilt and all that involved and you don't want to be complaining and all that, but you deserve everything that you want. So, you know, we need to stop like giving ourselves that story. And I'm not saying that, you know, you're wrong and thinking that because I've been there as well. But, you know, I think you, you can have it, you can have not have it all, but you know, you can have that if you want that you are deserving of wanting that is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? It's like, it's okay. You're not being greedy. You're not like not appreciating what you have. You can still want more for your life. You can want your life to go a certain way. That's okay. Definitely. I appreciate you saying that too. Like that's, that's honestly something I still deal with as this guilt. But I mean, once I shared everything, I, it was such an outpouring of love and support, like just so much. And I, I felt, oh gosh, I'm gonna cry now. I just, I was like, I felt so stupid for thinking that people would have a negative reaction to it. But um, yes, I understand that. Yeah. But I just, I just want to say to like anyone who maybe is dealing with this alone, like it's so important to have someone to talk to because I, Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine now going through this without sharing it with someone like a counselor, anyone or like your community. Yes. Come to fertility rally, DM me at infertile stories. You can email yeah. me at infertilifestories at Gmail, anybody. I mean, it's being, feeling alone in this is the absolute worst. And it anyone is. listening, you're not alone. No matter what you're going through, even if you're like, but I'm not going through the same, it doesn't matter. You know, we, people are, we can connect you to people or, you know, if you've been in this space and this headspace and wanting a baby and not being able to have one for whatever reasons, that, you know, you, you deserve support and you deserve to talk to somebody about it if you need to or want to. Absolutely. And even, you know, the people in my life who are so supportive, like they're not going through what I'm going through. And I think that's hard. I feel like people, like if I try to tell people about what upset me, (laughs) it sounds like nothing, but just like, if you're in my head, you would understand. And I think that being part of a community like this, it's just mm-hmm. so important because we all understand each other mm-hmm. and like how just small things can feel huge. Totally. To so I started getting more vocal about um, our our journey. So we, 
at that point, obviously we had to do IVF and that was the plan. Um, but we were going through with my left tube. So that was like, maybe going can be an issue, but we're going to try without it or with it. So we did our first, our first cycle. And I had only planned on doing the one cause it was like all my money. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have coverage for anything. So I, and we saved up like all the gigs we did that year. I'll mm-hmm. just set aside for this. I was like, I mean, yeah, we're talking like $30,000 here. Yeah. I oh, I, I've been there. I feel you. Uh, I'm like, there's no way I could do this again. So it was like, this has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt really good. Like I was going to counseling and journaling. I wasn't gigging. I would just, I was relaxing. I like would get massages, just try to keep myself as relaxed as possible. Cause I'm pretty high anxiety. So it's really hard for me to relax. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to just milk this. Yes. And good for you. I, I really felt great through the whole process. Like even like all the needle sticks, like I, I felt really proud. Like I did this mm-hmm. and I, and like we got through and we had our first retrieval and I, <laughs> I remember going home. I'm always like so tired after the retrievals from the anesthesia. Like I sleep all day. I wake mm-hmm. up and have a donut and then I go back to sleep <laughs> every time. That's like I love it's is... so specific, but it, is it a certain kind of donut? Yeah. It's gotta be a long john okay. with custard. But yeah, oh my God. That's always... such a Midwestern thing. <laughs> is it? I think so. I feel like my dad who's from Wisconsin used to eat long johns and he would call them long johns. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's oh, <laughs> that's yeah. That kind of became our thing. Like that, like after, brought a tear to my eye. I miss oh, my dad. Oh. Yeah, he passed away in 2020. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Okay, uh, so you have your long john, and then you go back to sleep. <laughs> but I, I, um, yeah, I, I woke up later, and I was telling my husband, like, oh, I had, I had this dream that um, we only got three eggs from the retrieval, and he was like, oh, that wasn't a dream. Oh shit. And I was like devastated again. Like I didn't really, I didn't really know what to expect. Like I know you can get like fifty if you have both ovaries. That's like, I mean, that would be that's pretty high. Can yes, but like doesn't happen that much. But I didn't know. Like I didn't really know what to expect. I think maybe I had like seven or eight follicles, Mm -hmm. and that's why I was surprised that there were only three eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was really, really upset. Um. But it was like, okay, well, there's three. Let's see what happens. Um, and the next day, we got a call from the doctor that none of them made it to the next phase. Mm. So Crushing. it was like over before it began, really. Yes. After all that, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Now I'm getting emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, it's like, okay, we just spent like all of our money yeah. on this. And I was like, I didn't even get to like, do a transfer. Like I did the practice transfer and mm-hmm. like, I didn't even get to do that. I didn't we didn't get to like decide how many we're going to transfer, like do a transfer and see if it sticks. Like we just, we didn't even get that far. And it just felt like I felt so lost. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that day, um, I like, I tried to distract myself, but I, I remember like crying myself to sleep woke up crying. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, Mm -hmm. what are my options? Um, Right. Right. The thing that like I've always done with my feelings is like write songs. Okay. 
So I was like, okay, I always wanted to, I'd, I'd wanted to write a song about my experience and I'd tried, but it just never really came to me. Um, but that was the next day. I was just like, I can't just cry all day. I have to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like went down in the studio and this, the whole song poured out in like less than an hour. I had the whole thing written, mm-hmm. which never happens for me. It usually it takes just, hey, it just literally it just, came pouring out of you. Literally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, it feels like <laughs> some kind of intervention, honestly, like something was feeding me lions, but I think it was just like everything I had felt for like four years. Yeah. It was just finally coming out, but it was like, it gave me purpose again. Yeah. So this song is, this is what you wrote me about. The subject line was song I wrote about my failed IVF journey, which is attention grabbing. So in your email, (laughs) you're talking about this song called new life. Mm -hmm. So tell me about some of the lyrics and like some of the things you wanted to convey in there. It kind of starts out me talking about how, um, I was, well, it starts out, I was in a place I thought I'd never be. And I think that's kind of how we all feel in this position. Like you never think. Oh my God. Nobody grows up being like, I'm going to have to go through assisted reproductive technology when I want to have kids. Nobody thinks (laughs) that. Like I never in my life thought I'd be doing IVF. Mm -hmm. It just never crossed my mind. Uh, So I just really couldn't believe that that's where I was. And like I had done it and it still didn't work out. Mm Mm-hmm. And just how I'd like hit it for so long because I thought like, you know, it's going to happen eventually. And I kind of touch on, I think my, f- my favorite line, well, I have a couple of favorite, but I, I like the line, every new beginning is a chance that I'll fall. Mm. And that comes from, you know, you start, anytime you start something new, it's exciting. Like I, anytime I start a new cycle, it's, I get my hopes up. I start imagining like getting that pregnancy test, you know, the positive, like the kids, like who they're going to be It all. I start thinking about all of it. And then it okay. soon falls into like, but like the more you get your hopes up, the harder it is when it doesn't turn out. And that's kind of what I'm going through right now. Like I'm just starting my fourth IVF cycle mm-hmm. and I was so excited. Um, but then we, there's always some complication. So Mm -hmm. immediately I just like the more excited I am, the more, um, hurt it is as, as I start moving through the process. Uh Uh-huh. So yeah. Tell me about, so what happened since you wrote the song and then you've done how many more rounds since then? Um, so, yep. So I did I, I, the, our doctor luckily worked with us on cost because we spent so much and got like nothing out of it. So we were able to do two more kind of like a reduced cost. Oh, wow. Um, That's great. Yeah. It was Did wonderful. you like proactively ask for that? Just, I didn't, you know, pro tip telling people who are listening, like, you know, that I that's mean, even a thing. Yeah, I, I didn't, but I would definitely ask about that. Like they really, sure. they worked with me on like, um, I didn't have to do like a deposit or anything. They're just, but it made me feel good. I was like, okay, they wouldn't do that if they didn't think that we could get a pregnancy. So right. That made me feel good. Um, so we did, uh, two more cycles about a year ago and we got two embryos our second time. 
Um, but one of them, like I was like making an Instagram post, like I've got two embryos. And then they called me and it was like, Hey, we lost one. Oh God. So I had to, so I was like, okay, let me go back and update this uh, Instagram mm-hmm. post. Mm-hmm. But we, but it was a perfect, like we had one embryo that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, and then we did another cycle and we got one that was like grade three. And so not great, but something, mm-hmm. but we did the transfer and I, <laughs> I remember this really well. Like we did the transfer, our first one. Um, and the song, I knew I loved you by Savage Garden came on. Mm-hmm. I knew I loved you before I met you. And I was just like in tears, like, this is such a perfect song. Oh gosh. Yes. And, we, and I know you had that with, um, Here comes the, sun. the sun. Yes. So now like anytime I hear that song, Oh, I break down <laughs> Oh, because I think of that moment, so, like how, yes. Yeah. How I mean, I, I don't, I don't have to tell you music is so powerful and just cracks you wide open sometimes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a big thing that I think about with kids. Like I already think about songs that I can't wait to sing to them. Oh, like I, I just, mean, yeah. I, like that's how I grew up. It's like my mom and dad singing to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait to have those songs to sing to them. And like, I think about like at weddings, like what dances, what songs will we use for first dances and things? Totally. Um, I get, I get ahead of myself a little bit. No, I think that's so Um, human. And that, you know, like you were saying, that's one of the hardest parts of all this is the not having your life go as you want it to, as planned, mm -hmm. you know, and you, when you, have a failed cycle or you don't get any embryos or, you know, a transfer doesn't work. It's the loss of a dream. It's a loss of how you think your life was going to go. And that is a legitimate loss, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's something I talk about with my counselor a whole lot is Mm -hmm. just, you know, things didn't turn out in every way. Like I, like I had a couple different ideas of what life would be and it's like none of them, are coming true, but you still have to push through and totally that's just hard to do. (laughs) It is very hard to do and push through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where are you today? Um, so we actually did another transfer about half a year ago and this was my grade three embryo. Um, and it actually improved to a grade one, which to me was like, well, this is going to work because it got better. I mean, okay. I feel like is... different, different clinics have different grading like cycles too, which is one of the confusing things about this whole yeah, process. I, I still don't totally know what it means, but yeah. like it went from three to it's, one. This is great news. It's kind of like the wild west. Like some are like six AA, you know, um, five AA, you know, grade okay. one, grade two. Okay. It just depends on your clinic and also the lab that okay. they use, you know? Okay. Yes, I think for ours is grade one is the best. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I honestly don't know a whole lot about what that means. Okay, <laughs> I'm just sure. like okay. Um, so yeah, that and that one didn't work oh, either. Sorry. So then we we kind of started looking into um, egg donors, and we're still kind of looking into that. But we got our insurance switch so that we actually get coverage now, and so I was like. All right, if we're covered, I want to try with me again. Oh, wow. Okay. So you want to so, do another retrieval? Yep. So we're, um, I'm actually, I just started like my menopure injections last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like a primer 
month. So I did like testosterone patches and stuff. I don't fully know what that does. I think it helps with the egg quality because that's where my issue is. Mm-hmm. But then, so I started the process and then they found, um, oh, I forgot to mention, I, I did have my left tube out um, a couple months ago. Okay. So we, we opted to do that because it's, which I've still, I still struggle with that because it's like, okay, I cannot have kids now. I don't have any tubes. I don't, I'm like one ovary, like there's no miracle happening here. Mm. <laughs> That's hard to swallow. Like mm-hmm. I have to do IVF and it has to work. And then mm-hmm. just like, don't have unlimited money. So I know, I know. If money weren't an object, right? If we weren't yeah. a factor. That's why I tell, I'm like, I would do it over and over. The shots don't bother me. I can, yeah. I can do it. I mean, it's emotional for sure, but like right. I can do it. It's just, I can't keep spending this kind of money. It's crazy. Totally. So I've, I mean, I've had a little bit of setback because I, they found a cyst on my left ovary and it kind of spiraled out of control for me because they would just be like, like if you, I don't know how it is with everyone, but for me, when I go in for the ultrasound, they like take me in office and like go over the plan which is what I expected, but they took me back and they're like, we don't know what to do with you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like should have asked questions, but I was just like, I got to get out of here. Cause I need to go cry in my car. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, thanks. And just like race, mm-hmm. <laughs> get in my car and go home and cry. Cause like, all I know is they don't know what to do with me. This is obviously not going to work. And I just felt so deflated. It's just not a good feeling when they're like, we don't have a plan. We don't know what to do. Right. And then I went back in a couple of days and it's still there, but it's not producing hormones. So they're okay with it. Um, So we're moving forward and trying to stay positive, but man, I am, (laughs) I'm on a lot of hormones. Like that's, that's a really hard part of all this too. Is like, I'm on all these hormones. I'm extra emotional. I'm under so much stress Mm -hmm. and you just have to like continue your life every day and like face babies everywhere. Like oh I can't my God, be, all the triggers. Yeah. Yeah. I can't be around babies right now and I can't avoid it. And people kind of don't understand that or don't care. I don't know, but like, <laughs> I'm just like, this is too triggering for me. Totally. Um, I know so many people listening can relate to that hundred percent. Yeah. And again, that's like another guilt thing for me is, you know, I want to be happy for people. I know having babies you know, they're getting what I want, but it's really hard. I like, I still like, don't know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. And so I feel guilty all the time. Like I feel like a bad person. Yeah. But, I know what you mean. And we talk about this a lot in fertility rally. It's, but please remember, and it took me a while to remember this too. It's okay to be happy for somebody else, but also sad for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be black or white feelings. It's not like you can't feel a mixture of a, a bunch of different ways. And, you know, the guilt is so hard too, but, you know, try to give yourself the grace of not feeling like a bad person. You're not a bad person for thinking that you're human. You're a human being, you know, you're working through some really hard shit. So give yourself some grace there. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. I, I do need to hear that like all the time. <laughs> yeah. Cause you yeah, just replay it's, this. It's hard. <laughs> just yes. replay that little <laughs> bit. Do it all the time. Put it on your like voice notes. Yes. Um, yes. But it's true, Lauren, you know, it's, and again, I only say this from speaking to, you know, thousands of women over the last couple of years now in groups and on podcasts mm-hmm. and, and guys too, but mostly women, 
you know, it's, this is really, really hard. The situation, it's traumatic. And, you know, we have to be kinder to ourselves because we're going through some hard shit. So, you know, if you can not, you know, get, add the guilt onto that as well, you know, maybe, maybe try mm-hmm. to do that and just know like you are a human being, you're coming from a place of love and it's okay to feel shitty about certain things. And when you see a baby get pissed off, that is 1000% normal. Yeah. 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 I, I, definitely something I'm working on. <laughs> but yeah, it's And come to Fertility yeah. Rally Support Group because these are the kinds yes. of things we talk about <sighs> and yes. everybody understands and you don't have to you know, have the caveat of being like, I met my sister's baby and I fucking hated it. And we're like, we get it. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Nobody else gets it, but we get it. Yeah. Yes. Again, like it's so important to have people to talk to you about these totally. things because it's just, it's, it's, I didn't understand before I went all through all of this. Like I probably, I know I said insensitive things to people, oh, yeah. just not realizing how hard it is. You just don't know until you're mm-hmm. in it. For sure.
everybody thank you so so much for listening thanks again to lauren how great was that song you guys so talented so definitely check her out check out her music and you can follow her story as things progress and things move on but just wanted to thank you guys for the support and for listening as always please check out fertility rally if you're looking for a safe space to land It is the community that Blair Nelson and I co-created, and we've got all these different support groups all throughout the week for various things. We've got Rally Guys now, which is our monthly guys support group, and we're going to be doing that more frequently as well. But we've also got a full website full of great resources. We've got member-only Facebook groups, member-only IRL events and virtual events, and all this really great stuff. So it's the place I wish I had when I was going through it. And if you are feeling lost or you're looking to connect with people, definitely check us out at fertilityrally.com or on Instagram at fertilityrally. And also follow me on Instagram at infertileafstories. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.